Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. The tunnel thing was weird because it's the first time in my 16-year career I've had to go to the bathroom so bad that I had to go during the game. And so I ran in there to take a pee, and then I came back out. And when I came back out, Flo said, uh, hey, get ready, you're going in. So I took the obligatory seven warm-up throws and uh, went out there and tried to make something happen. That is Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, this guy, I was thinking about this today. This guy's career, just tremendous. Yeah. I mean, really tremendous. Backup quarterbacks are often maligned at the end of the day. Like, that guy was a bust. He sucked. You know, I mean, it was like, how many backup quarterbacks seriously are heralded? Like Nick Foles, I think at the end of the day, will be. I think he tried a couple times. His starting quarterback didn't happen. But, like, Blaine Gabbert's been a backup quarterback for a long time. Chad Henney's been a backup quarterback for a long time. But nobody's, like, buying their jerseys, right? Or nobody thinks they're like, wow, that guy was awesome. It feels like almost every stop Ryan Fitzpatrick went, people appreciated him for what he was. They knew he wasn't a rock star Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers guy. Mm -hmm. But from the personality to the ability to pinch hit to the big games that he has had to the big wins that he has had in a bunch of different stops, including now Miami, I have a hard time figuring out another backup quarterback that might be as beloved universally as Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, if you go to the casual football fan and say, name as many backup quarterbacks as you can, Ryan Fitzpatrick's always in that breath. Set aside from that, not too many else. Like, the the fact that, listen, Ryan Fitzpatrick, we talk about branding, I mean, is there a bigger brand of the backup quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick? Fitzmagic, if you will, rocking those track suits, the, the gold chain, the beard. Oh, by the way, went to Harvard as well. So it's not and just that some, adds to the story. Yeah, right? it adds to everything. So, listen, there are, there are very few Ryan Fitzpatricks out there. And did they say, is he going to be starting this next game or is Tua back in No, now? Tua's back. Tua's back in. right after. Are you surprised by that? No, and that's what I want to talk to. Yeah. We're going to get to Steven here in a moment. But uh, I want to ask you. See, I love, I love the way Flores has handled this. I thought they went to Tua too quickly. Okay, and I agree. With I, that. I thought Fitzpatrick was on a roll. I thought that could be if I if I'm being candid and not hypocritical. If you went back and rewound our show until whenever week six was or week seven, mm-hmm. I said, oh, no, man, you can mess up the football team here. They're playing good football. They're mm-hmm. three and three, I think, at the time. This isn't the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the move to Tua. But the fact that he's been willing to twice now take Tua out of there for the betterment of the football team, and you already know there's a ton of buy-in with Flores because they're playing excellent ever since the first, like, five games of last year, really. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's like the first eight games last year. But there's so much belief in Flores and buy-in that they don't mind this little tug of war. It's like a no-no. It's a faux pas in the NFL to do that. Don't go hurt your young quarterback's feelings. Mm -hmm. What's he going to think on the sideline? 
Well, Tua, first of all, doesn't look like he wants to be out there at the time because the game is going so fast for him, yeah. and he doesn't appear ready. Tua is also like one of the nicest human beings of all time, people say. Uh, it doesn't mean he's not a competitor and he doesn't like performing better. So he probably doesn't love this. But he also, I think appreciates who Fitzpatrick is and how he handled the situation turning over. I mean, they've just made it work. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, to win football games, which is your job, if you have to go put a different guy in, then do it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you upset the starting QB. The guy's playing crappy. Take him out and go win the game. Mm-hmm. Like, I have no problem with this. I actually think it should happen more in the NFL. Yeah, I really no, do. I mean, listen, I don't have a problem with that. But at the same time, like, I witnessed Blaine Gabbert coming too soon. Right. And that absolutely crushed his confidence. And I'll be the first to probably say that he was never the same quarterback after his confidence was crushed. I agree with you, but they should have gone back to McCown at that point or something. No, no, I I hear you, man. But I think when you start playing the game where you're coming in, then you're coming out, and you're always kind of in limbo, I don't think in terms of confidence boosting – that does a lot for you at the starting quarterback position and all that you invested into a tongue of Biola. Now, with that being said, I get it, man. Like, you can't cater to the feelings of the quarterback so much. I completely understand that. But the quarterback, especially in football, is probably the most mental position you can ever imagine. That's true. Right? And, and if that mentality, if that shield, um, if there's a break in that armor, well, then the floodgates can come in, your confidence can be shot, and then you just wasted that first-round pick. So... I get what you're saying. I'm just saying if I'm Flores, I got to watch how I handle the situation because if I keep on going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, Tua's confidence could be crushed. I don't think he can do it every week, but that was an important football game for the team. It paid off. Right? It was the right decision. That's what I say. Like, Doug Marone made a mistake a few weeks back against Pittsburgh when he kept looping in the game. Of course. And he didn't go to the bench. The guy gave you no chance to win. That sends a bad message to your football team who's busting their butt, even though they're not very good, yeah. to say, we're just going to keep rolling this guy out here. No. you got to set make your team change, up for success. Right? And that, by the way, wasn't even the Tua situation. Not There's a couple point. things that have to happen. Tua, you have to understand, already wasn't the starting quarterback to begin with. So you knew it was a little bit of development they were going to buy into, much like Blake and much like Gabbert say. Then the other thing is you have to have a decent backup. Like, was McCown a good enough backup? Probably not. Was Henny a good enough backup to go in there and, and had he proven enough? Henny saw the job, man. He does, but yeah. had he proven enough when he was yeah. in there to get the job done? See, Fitzpatrick's proven that he can win games. Correct. He's a proven winner in the NFL at the quarterback position. He's not going to probably lead you to a Super Bowl, but he can go in there and win games but and make big plays. But he has those games where it's like five touchdowns Absolutely. and he's like the leading fantasy quarterback. So We've it's all very, seen that. It's a unique situation in the sense that they didn't start Tua, mm-hmm. and then you have a backup that really can get the job done and quite frankly you can make the case he's better than Tua right now yeah like you can make that case game in and game out that he is what's uh if you want to fast forward it take let's just say Gardner Minshew's the backup quarterback in Jacksonville guy's shown some things right I mean mm-hmm. he's, he's obviously not going to be the guy but he's shown the ability to win games and make plays in the NFL I don't think the Jaguars would him employ this same type of system next year with Trevor Lawrence here's why Trevor Lawrence appears ready to go uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to start day one most likely in the NFL, yeah. I would think, for any franchise that he goes to, True. not just the Jaguars. And I don't know if Minshew has built up that much equity, kind of like the equity of Fitzpatrick, to say, okay, Trevor, you're not playing well in game three, so we're going to take you out. You no, know what I mean? mean? No, I definitely agree with you. Plus, we got to remember with Tua, too, he had that injury, right? So I think they kind of wanted to work well, him in. That's too. why he didn't start in the beginning. Um, listen, I, I kind of broke this down a little bit, and this must have been, I think, last week or two weeks ago when you were gone for the day. And I talked about Gardner Minshew of why you got to keep him. 
because when we talk about a backup quarterback, and, and I've come across a couple of them, it's not so much being a game manager, right? Like quarterbacks hear the, the whole term game manager. Like that's a that's an insult in the quarterback realm. The job of a backup quarterback in my eyes is you provide a spark, right? Because usually when that backup quarterback goes in, pending an injury, but usually when the backup quarterback goes in, it's because the team is down, because the team needs energy. They need a spark. That's what makes Ryan Fitzpatrick so great, right? Because if you remember that last game with the Miami Dolphins where they're down, Fitzpatrick goes in, he completes like three passes in a row, and all of a sudden he's like doing his crazy dancing and all that stuff with his beard, it's flying, then his, his helmet gets turned around, but like... He provides the energy. Yeah. He provides the spark. And when the, when his teammates have that spark, that's how you start the fire, man, because it's contagious. And that's, the, in my opinion, the job of a backup quarterback. Sure, you can manage the game. Don't blow the lead. Do whatever. But you got to provide the spark and get the guys to rally around you. And nobody be- does it better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, and when you only have 16 Sundays and when things aren't going well and that guy can easily – provide something for you, especially in a must-win situation. It was, I think Flores has done it perfectly. In the right times, he's done it. Yeah. And this was one of those times. And then, by the way, he says, hey, no, two is starting. You know, mm-hmm. goes right back to him. Says two is starting. So good on Flores for not worrying about the feelings of the young quarterback. Good on Ryan Fitzpatrick for also dealing with this situation because yeah, he be was easy. ticked off, remember? As he should have been. This was, remember at one time we thought that was part of the plan. We're like, this, maybe this is the plan to get him in by week six, no matter the record. Well, mm-hmm. no. Based off Ryan Fitzpatrick's reaction to it, it wasn't that way. He was mm-hmm. ticked off that he wasn't playing. But he's been a great teammate to Tua. And now Tua has handled it well on his side, too. You know, he doesn't go sit out there and pout. It's almost like, oh, good, I'm glad to see Ryan play. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, <laughs> you know, and by the way, me. like Tua completed 17 passes, but very – my it's, problem with Kyler Murray and Tua a little bit, mm-hmm. they have these games where it's 4.1 yards a, a – a pass. Correct. It's like that's not playing quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. It's not. Like, you can't do that. It's, it's not taking any risks. No, that yeah. that's the Blaine Gabbard offense that I watched for three years. You're playing in a box. Yeah. You're you're not a threat offensively. In this day and age, you better be a threat offensively. So we'll we'll see how it works out. But I think Flores, in part of his brilliance, what he's done in Miami mm-hmm. has handled this situation well. And I don't think a lot of coaches would do it. And I appreciate the fact that he is doing it. And especially I appreciate it for those other guys in that locker room who have really played good football. And he's been able to bring along a quarterback while winning games. Mm-hmm. Not too many people can balance those two things. It's been pretty incredible, and actually. No, listen, I absolutely agree with you. The, the, the big part, though, comes now. When you travel to Buffalo and you play the Bills, you know, is the right decision going to be made, right? Because there's a school thought that says, well, you start Ryan Fitzpatrick. He led you to the victory. You keep him in. Uh, you ride the hot hand. They're going back to Tua, and, and I get it. Like Everyone seems to be on board with it. I think Fitzpatrick accepts it. But what happens when you're playing at Buffalo and it's halftime and you're down by maybe like 14 or 21? Did you make the wrong decision? We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Hey, Steven's hanging on the line. Let's get him in right now on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Uh, don't go to lineman in the draft today, Steven. Last show of the year. I don't know if I've prepped enough for that. What's up? <laughs> oh, not too much. Uh you guys were talking about uh, Ryan Clark putting down. He's losing a lot of branding and a lot of promotions and everything. I have experience with the promotions. I brought in Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, 690 Syndicate, rolls off the tongue. Uh, but, I mean, he's not. Because, I mean, if you think about it, Shad Khan's redoing Lot J. He should post up a lot of the key players of Jacksonville. But I don't know if you guys know, a lot of people in the chats have been comparing the look of Trevor Lawrence to Ronnie Bass, a.k.a. Sunshine, 
from Remember the Titans. Yep. Yep. You always get the long hair and sunshine. Gabbert was like, yeah, so I think Jags fans are are less favorable on that because of the Gabbert comparison to that. Oh, yeah, but post a big uh, poster up there, put a a sunrise in the background, and just post him in the foreground, popping up like a superhero pose right there, and just say, I'm Jacksonville Sunshine. There All you right. go, Stephen. Happy New Year, branding. man. I uh, appreciate you jumping in. End of the year branding. There you go. Uh, you know, speaking of branding, let's – do I want to get into it right now? Yeah, let's talk about it right now. we got a few minutes. Did you see the Booger McFarlane? I did. Talk. I did. Uh, you have the audio acoustics? Yeah, I, put audio I know I didn't prep you for this, but let's do it right now. Let's. This is what Booger McFarlane said last night on yeah. ESPN, and it's in relation to Dwayne Haskins. It's become very controversial um, because of his reference to the African-American player mm-hmm. in the NFL. Take a listen. Oftentimes, young players, especially, and, I, and I'm going to go here, especially young African-American players, because they make up 70% of this league. They come into this league and they ask themselves the wrong thing. They don't say, how can I be a better teammate? They don't say, how can I be a better person? How can I get my organization over the hump? Here's what they come in saying. How can I build my brand better? How can I build my social media following better? How can I work out on Instagram and show everybody that I'm ready to go, but when I get to the game, I don't perform? Dwayne Haskins, unfortunately, is not the first case that I've seen like this. And and it won't be the last. And it it bothers me because a lot of it is the young African-American player. It is still a game to them. Look at this. It's football. This ain't football, man. This is a billion-dollar business. Yes. They play a child's game and get paid a king's ransom. And and, and it bothers me because I saw a quarterback do it. I saw Jamarcus Russell do it. The number one pick in the draft, they gave him $40 million and he threw it down the damn drain because he didn't take it seriously. My message to Dwayne Haskins, not just him, but the rest of the young players in the NFL, man, this is a game, but take it as a business. There are billions, with a B, of dollars at stake. Uh What's interesting there, and I don't know because I haven't seen enough. I know Booger McFarland's getting a lot of reaction uh, by pointing out. As he should. He's not just talking. If he had just talked about young players in the NFL, white, black, doesn't matter, then he would never get the reaction. He pointed out African-American players. And what I think he was trying to do was lean on the Jamarcus Russell exper- uh, experience, but he used that in too much of, of a um, microscope and, and, and magnified it so much that, wow. And, and then he said he sticks by it, didn't say, hey, I probably shouldn't have said it that way. Again, he's taking a lot of heat. Well, the other part of this, and I don't know if Randy Moss is taking a lot of heat, but Randy Moss was on the set. And a lot of times when what will happen is because guys will now go after or people will go after Randy Moss and say, why didn't you say something there? Like, why didn't you say like, what yeah, do you mean yeah, you yeah. agreed with him? And, and I will just say this in the defense of Randy Moss. When that stuff is going on live. I don't think you actually compute all that at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I'll defend a little bit of Randy Moss not coming to the defense or not coming to the criticism of Booger in the moment. Yeah. Um, but boy, Booger McFarlane, you know, he's he's in a beehive right now. Yeah, listen, when we talk about people's takes or opinions, I very seldom use this word, but I hate what Booger McFarlane said. I hate because he did, in my opinion – the especially the black quarterback a disservice because now you want to put a label on it and now we're talking about the black quarterback yada 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 and you're putting it behind the eight ball and when you do that and not to say people are going to rally behind this but i'm saying when you do that that makes the future quarterbacks that are maybe african-american look bad as well 
This is the problem, and it has nothing to do with race. Like, you made it about race when it didn't have to be about race. Here's the issue. We're talking about the quarterback position, okay? It's uh, it's it's the most important position maybe in all of sports. And we're talking about a bunch of college kids who, let's be honest, at the quarterback position don't have – I mean, they have everything done for them, right? Like, they don't have to do a lot of things on their own. They, they tell you to be here, go to class this time. Hey, Need some help with your homework? We got you covered, all right, as long as you pass, yada, yada, yada. These quarterbacks in college are coddled. Don't tell me it's a black problem because I can throw Johnny Menzel at you. I can throw Ryan Leaf at you. They have the exact same problems. So stop making it about race. The real issue is the transition from the college quarterback being coddled, always having things his way, going to the NFL and realizing, hey, man, everything you do in the league when you're a grown adult has consequences. So let's talk about more of that transition and how we can help players out instead of calling players out because of their color. Well, Stupid. And, and not only that, Austin, it seems a little bit tone deaf in this time period. If you were going to bring it up in this context, which which shouldn't be in this context, because I totally agree with you. I think mm-hmm. it's just young athlete if you want to say they have issues transitioning and, and don't and don't understand it's a business. That is white athlete. Yeah. That is black athlete. That can be female athlete in the WNBA. I yeah. mean for for all we know. That's athlete. There is a transition and some people handle it well, some people don't. Some people handle money well, some people don't. Mm-hmm. So the the bottom line is if you want to talk about there's 70% African American participation in the NFL right now. Yeah. Well, of course that's going to signify a lot of black young men of because that's what the league is is made up of. Yeah. And this is the context that was was inter- this is where I think it comes off not only tone deaf uh, not only wrongly said, but also if you're going to have this take and stand by this take, this is a better take like 10 years ago when we're talking about the black quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. We're not even talking about that conversation no, anymore. Man, you, you, that conversation doesn't exist. Narrative. Yeah. There's Russell Wilson. Yeah. There's Patrick Mahomes. There's Kylo it's Murray. It's got nothing to do with there's, that. You name it, right? Yeah. Uh, Dwayne Haskins is right now mm-hmm. just another quarterback that is not making it. Mm-hmm. That's it's not another black quarterback that isn't making it. Mm-hmm. He's just another quarterback that mm-hmm. isn't making it. He might be another Ohio State quarterback that's not making it. Yeah. But it's it's an interesting thing to go. He really brought this all upon himself. Yeah. Like he could have simply made the same point without signaling singling out the the black quarterback and so, and it really is a step back in the conversations in an interesting way as we close out 2020. Yeah. To take a step back in that regard. I'm not going to go into too big of detail here um, with what I'm about to say, but I'll, I'll give you a little cliff note of it. So I had a conversation one time um, of a former player from Texas who, who knew Vince Young, pretty, Vince Young pretty well. And I asked him, like, dude, I remember being in high school watching Vince Young beat you know, US, 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 eh, USC, and I'm yeah. like, man, he's going to be like the next big thing. Absolutely. And he goes to the NFL, goes to the Tennessee Titans, becomes rookie of the year. And I remember I had the conversation, like, what, like, why didn't he work out, you know? And this person told me, he's like, it, it's simple, Austin. Like, that guy had all the talent in the world. And you know what? And his teammates loved him. Like, he, he had the leadership qualities. He had the skill set. But the problem was is that when he was in college, everybody did everything for him. Yeah. And when he got to the NFL, it wasn't like that anymore. And he had to grow up way too quick. He didn't know how to handle it. And he fell off. 
Simple as that. Wasn't for a lack of skill set. Wasn't for a lack of, you know, uh, you know, his mentality or whatever like that or his smarts. It was the fact that in college he had it cushy. He had it made. He gets to the NFL. It's not like that anymore. No. And, and listen, I, I think that's the case for a lot of players. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can make that case. Uh, maybe it's Johnny Manziel. Maybe yep. it's it's Ryan Leaf who in court had different amount of problems. Mm. Um, a lot of different players. And, and I think, again, I'm not trying to defend Booger McFarlane. I'm trying to get in his mind and where he's coming from here. And he used Jamarcus Russell. And remember, he's an LSU guy to begin with. Yeah. And so when he used Jamarcus Russell, I think he's probably always in his mind. And now, again, Jamarcus Russell goes way back to the point where there weren't a lot of African-American quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But come on, man, you got to jump up to 2020, Booger. Yeah. That was like a 2005 take, not a 2000 or 2007 take, I think is when, mm-hmm. when Russell was. But... And, and I'm not sure it was a good take then, for the record, mm-hmm. but it certainly isn't a good take in 2020 um, and and really doesn't make any sense in that regard because I think you could almost have more white quarterback examples of that exactly. than you do have of black quarterback examples yeah. of that. And, and once again, in a league that the majority of players are African-American. So, uh, yeah, bad, bad moment for Booger McFarlane, and he doubled down on it. Like, I, not the, he's going to come out and say something different because he can't stick by this. Like, it makes no sense to stick by that, that sentiment. Yeah. I mean, I hope he does, man. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I, I spoke my piece on it. I don't agree, obviously. Hopefully he comes out and says something different. Uh, hey, how do you fix the Jacksonville Jaguars? I've got yeah. a plan. Do you believe it? Pulitzer Prize winning Brent Martineau here. No, nah, not at all. We'll see. Um, but it was fun to write a little bit. And uh, you can check out the article on ESPN690.com, also on ActionNewsJacks.com. We're going to talk about it next. I named seven things to fix the Jags, not only, by the way, in 2021. But we're talking about fixing the Jags long term. Trevor Lawrence might be a big helper, but he doesn't solve everything. And I think the Jags need to learn from their past, not just ShotCon, but going all the way back a dozen years since I've been here. That's what I speak on. We'll talk about it next on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Austin Lane. The Rock, out of nowhere, buys the XFL during a pandemic, mind you, goes half in with his ex-wife. So now you're going to business with your ex-wife. Brent Martineau. I don't know if that's on the business advice list. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. And to kind of revisit the racial part of this conversation, has come up quite a bit. And what scares me and frustrates me, frankly, is some people making this into a conversation about all black players or, or many black players or, or black players in general. I think the criticism in that case should be on the decision makers for dropping the ball. And we certainly should not perpetuate some false narrative that there is a, a raft of imma- immature black players in NFL. There are plenty of immature players in NFL. I don't think you can discriminate it by race necessarily. It is all over the place in the league. The black quarterbacks and the white quarterbacks, and I just find it so upsetting, frankly, in an era where we have Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, like we can go on and on of plenty of mature black quarterbacks that are showing that they can play and obviously that everyone else who has been keeping them out of the league were wrong. Dominic Foxworth, is that that was uh, earlier today on ESPN as on first take? I feel like we just had a similar conversation as his take. Yeah, I, I feel like we just 
copied it. <laughs> we, 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 just, <laughs> we did. Uh, yeah, no, we did. It's first time but I've heard I mean, that. Hey, but, but I mean, you know, talking to our copy expert over here, the, the, the plagiarism expert, uh, Justin Coos. <laughs> shout out to Coos of Plagiarism Street University. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> plagiarism um, expert. He, he yeah. taught for a lot longer, though. He went for like three or four minutes. Yeah, the plagiarism so expert. Right? <laughs> pretty good title to have, man. Yeah. Uh, Put on the resume. Hey, by the way, uh, River City Finish, which we appreciate him checking the, the show out and listening. He jumped in. He said, you guys missed Booger's point. He was talking to future black athletes to not squander their opportunities once they make it. It had nothing to do with being just a quarterback. Uh, and he goes on to say this is a conversation that many African-American coaches, parents, and mentors have with our youth. I, I don't I don't disagree with the fact that Booger meant that for all athletes coming into the NFL and young athletes coming in. Well, even just the black athlete coming into the NFL. But what he said didn't come across that way. So mm-hmm. I can't interpret what he meant. Uh, I, like I said, I defended him a bit to say I think he has in his mind the, the story of Jamarcus Russell. But it's not what he said. Mm-hmm. And then he doubled down on what he said. And so I think it I think what we're trying to say is he could have just blanket statement said about any af- any player, any young athlete in the NFL, kind of what, what Dominique Foxworth just said. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I understand why the quarterback was not his only intention. The quarterback is front and center in this conversation because it comes after Dwayne Haskins is released. And Booger McFarland, in this instance, uh, referenced Jamarcus Russell. Mm-hmm. So that's why the quarterback is more of the conversation. I think you just heard Dominic Foxworth say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do appreciate uh, you checking out River City Finish. Uh, thanks for the words. Um, and and I, I do t- tend to agree with you. I think that was for, hey, alert, alert, red flag, future athlete coming in, whether that's the black athlete or any athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to handle your business. This is a business, you know, mm-hmm. but. You played in the league. That transition from college to the pros, they have folks that help you out with that transition. Yeah, it, you, but know? you have to want the help. You know, you and, see, and, that's yeah. right. They have and rookie symposiums. They have sure. everything else. But but you have to take it all in. You Listen, have to want the help. You are a black athlete in the NFL, mm-hmm. and and I don't know if I'm going to even phrase this correctly. So uh, I I hope I do. But I guess to this point, was there anything for the black athlete? At the rookie symposium, was no. there anything for the black athlete with your player liaison in a building? I, I get the sense it was for the young athlete entering the NFL. It, it absolutely was because listen, once you got to like listen, I, I come from a, a very small town that's predominantly white, okay. But as soon as I got to college, it was an eye-opening experience for my football team because we had guys from all over the place, man. We had Memphis. We had Mississippi. Um, you know, we had some California guys. We had New York guys. We had Ohio guys. So, like, we were all around the country and all different kinds of colors and shapes and all that stuff. So like, it dawned on me, like, listen, man, like, yeah, my skin color could be different than your skin color. But, like, we're all doing the same thing. And like when you get to the symposium, it's amplified like that. So no, we don't. We never thought to ourselves like, all right, well, when is the black quote unquote presentation going to start? No, man. Like we're all in the same boat right now. We're just trying to survive. We're just trying to last as long as we can in the NFL and use these tools to our advantage. Well, and I understand people come from different backgrounds, but what I also think is the biggest hurdle is now you're presented with a lot of money, different yeah. life changing money, and some some that's millions, some that's thousands, hundreds of thousands, whatever it is. But to me, that's always been the transition. That that doesn't matter who. That's a 22-year-old or a 23-year-old be given money. Nobody. I don't care if you even came from a silver spoon. Mm-hmm. You still have not had hundreds of thousands of dollars in your hands. Your no. parents might have given you 50 bucks to go to the movies because you came from that silver spoon. Yeah. But uh, 
They didn't give you hundreds of thousands. Listen, when 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 you when you work in landscaping jobs in the summer, you know, and maybe you're making twenty bucks an hour, and all of a sudden you get your signing bows, and it's like all it's all in one lump sum. Yeah, that's uh that's life changing money, and that changes a lot of things. And I think I think a lot of guys go through that. And once again, it's not a white or black thing. It's just the, from the fact that if you don't come from a lot of means, and all of a sudden, well, you have the means in this giant check, people can change. You know. Kuz, uh, I got you jumping all over the place here. Do you mind if we take it to the top? Is that okay? Is that possible? Or should we break now and then do this segment? But uh, So I wrote this article today. Uh, it's on ESPN690.com. Actually, I've written it for the last three weeks. <laughs> it's just kind of been You're kind of around. You're the most opportune uh, time. Yeah. Well, I'm nah, really just trying to finish it. <laughs> I got you. Um, <laughs> you have an editor? We talk- yeah, I did. Yeah. My, my buddy Rich Becker helped me because it's interesting. I used to write a lot in college, and I'm not saying I was a good writer, a great writer, whatever. I, but once in a while, you have some thoughts in your mind that you feel. We talk about them for three hours a day. We talk about them on TV, but it's like, all right, I want to kind of line these things up, sure. you know. And obviously, we've been so in tune covering the Jags for over a decade. It's like, why is this wrong? You try to figure it out. You're like, what are other people doing that? Why can't the Jags figure this out? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where the idea of this came from. But I had my buddy, Rich Becker, who is my old sports director in Albany, New York, and uh, we're still really, really close. And he's way smarter than me. And I don't, when you're in TV, you don't talk in sentences. You don't write in sentences. Mm -hmm. It's more in phrases and, and fragments. And so to be honest with you, my grammar, like in writing, is probably not very good. And by the how, how, how many Bust changes I had check. in this yeah, article, yeah. it's right. It's not very good. Yeah, so yeah. I need an editor. Uh, and Rich Becker helped me edit. So I was That's convinced awesome. when I was going when I first saw it, it said how to fix the Jaguars. I was convinced I was going to click the links, and it was just going to be like a Trevor Lawrence gif. <laughs> like, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, by the way, if there are big words in this article, it's probably because Rich put them in there for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I have to That's give him credit. <laughs> Um, but anyway, the, the bottom line is this goes all the way back to 2007. I arrived in 2008. Ironically, the Jags have stunk since 2007. Uh, sorry, it might be my fault. They've had the one winning year. So basically, the first line sums it up. Two owners, five coaches, 12 starting quarterbacks, 143 losses and just 64 wins in that span since 2007. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the Jags have not done well. We have discussed this on the show. I'm going to give you the seven things without getting too in detail. You can go read the article if you want a little more detail. Identity Mm -hmm. is number one. Who's the boss? Mm -hmm. Who is the face of the franchise? Not the quarterback face, but who's making the decisions in the football stuff? And I relate it to like Mark Lampick. I know Mark Lampick's making the business decisions. Who's making the football decisions? And by the way, that's any kind of business. Absolutely. I mean, if you want to equate it to your life, just think about the job you work at. There better be a proper chain of command, because if there's not, I'm sure you're going through chaos right now. And one person probably makes the ultimate decision. As you should. Uh, Communication. It's, we've talked about it so much on the show, and I think if you relate it to the Yannick Ngakwe and Jalen Ramsey situations, and I think even lately the Gardner Minshew quarterback situation, mm-hmm. I think it fits. Quarterback, okay, well, Trevor Lawrence might save the day there, right? Uh, first round hits. I still believe Trevor Lawrence or not, fix some of these things. You cannot continually miss on your blue chip prospects. Mm-hmm. And the Jaguars have done that. They've had some nice hits, by the way, in other rounds. They have. They probably don't get enough credit for those hits mm-hmm. because their first round misses have been such a disaster. They have got to hit on that. And you got to hope C.J. Henderson and Caleb on Chase on are good players because that started it. Real quick, if you're a GM, what's more impressive? 
the fact that you always hit your, you know, your first round picks, or the fact that you get these undrafted agents who become maybe pro bowlers or well, even maybe all pros. I think that's I. We always believe that's where Gene Smith got himself in trouble. Where yeah. you try to outsmart, you try to be like, hey, wow, look, I'm going to find a guy that nobody can find. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, because yeah. we all kind of think that. Right. I want to come up with an article that nobody's written. Correct. I want to come up with something on the radio. I'm going to say something that nobody's ever said. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you better be careful when you do that. Could end up with like Booger McFarlane yeah, kind of true. stuff today. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, you're not here. Or you could end up like the Jags the last dozen years. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So uh, cultivate, uh, and that is you got to keep your players. We had Calais Campbell on right a couple weeks ago uh, when the Jags were playing the Ravens, and again I said, what advice would you give your former organization? What have you seen in Baltimore? What have you seen over the course? Of, what went wrong in Jacksonville? And it started with. You gotta keep a young talent, man. Yep. You gotta keep Yannick Ngakwe. You gotta keep guys like that. We just watched Allen Robinson play, and I get it. It's business. There are things that you can't keep everybody. I understand it. But the Jags have let too many go, mm-hmm. and especially some star players. My point being, I think Jalen Ramsey's the best player, best talent to maybe ever wear a Jags uniform. Yeah. And he should be here for 12 years, and he's not even here for four. And maybe sometimes not even the most talented players, but it's the leaders in that locker room. Talking about Mercedes Lewis, talking about Daryl Smith. Okay, and this one I firmly believe in, and you know we've talked about this before, and I think somewhere along the way, and it might not be 2021, it might be 2023 with Trevor Lawrence and an offense that's cooking and a coach and everybody that's doing well, but somewhere along the way, to take the step to be a Super Bowl winner, to be a Super Bowl team, you better make a bold move. And what is that move going to be? And I give you examples. Seattle got turned around because of Russell Wilson. Well, the bold move was not really taking Russell Wilson. Good job on them. They took Russell Wilson in the third round. Okay. But it was playing Russell Wilson immediately over Matt Flynn, even though they had just given him a huge paycheck. That takes guts. That's not <laughs> the way that happens in the NFL. Yeah, you yeah. play the guy that's getting paid. Yep. Listen, the Jags played Minshew only because they had to. The guy that got paid got hurt. Kansas City, they don't sit on the Alex Smith stuff. They go get Patrick Mahomes. And I tell everybody in this one little line, the Jags said, we're good with Blake Bortles. Kansas City Chiefs, and they picked Leonard Fournette. Kansas City Chiefs said, we had Alex Smith. Might be the MVP of the league this year. Yeah. We ain't good enough. Mm-hmm. And they got Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. you got to do those things. Baltimore, not that they traded back to get Lamar Jackson. The fact that they rebuilt an offense around Lamar Jackson. Turns out he's the MVP. They haven't won big yet. We'll see if they do. Buffalo, not Josh Allen, although they should be rewarded for their patience and growth of Josh Allen. Yeah. Because a lot of teams give up on their quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I remember Joe Ramsey gave, gave up on Josh Allen a long time ago. A lot ago of people did. In a, in a you GQ know? article. Old yeah. receipts are coming out now for the guys <laughs> yeah. that said, I like Josh Allen. But yeah, but you didn't in year one well, like Josh no, Allen. No, but let's be honest, too. It's a re- I mean, it was a gamble because look where he came out of, Wyoming. Yes. Look at his last year at the Wyoming, his stats. Not that good. You know, but I, last night watching that game, they show a stat, right? And it's 57 and 58%, like worse than the NFL or one of the worst in the NFL in completion percentages. And this year it's 70%. Mm-hmm. That does not happen with every quarterback. That is some heck of a development. Development on his part, on the coaching staff's part, and belief in them, and also calling the right plays. And I understand a lot of people are now throwing for 65% and 66% of their passes and completing that many. Yeah. But to go from 57-58, where you're an inaccurate passer, which, by the way, like Cam Newton never got better than that, really. Yeah. You know, Blake Bortles was always around that for the most part. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen went from 57, 58% to 70%. But what else did the Bills do? They also thought outside the box a little bit and got Stephon Diggs. Well, that's what I thought. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, got yeah, it. No, yeah, I'm glad yeah. you said it. Yeah. I didn't say Josh Allen was the bold move. Mm-hmm. The bold move was Stephon Diggs. Yeah. And by the way, both teams are winning that. 
Minnesota's winning that too. They got Justin Jefferson and a bunch yep. of draft picks. But the bold move, I didn't like the Diggs move. I didn't really agree with it because he was, pro- I mean, I, with all due respect to him, he was the second best receiver at the time in Minnesota. Yeah, good point. He was. And it yeah. seemed like he was a little bit more of a problem than it yeah. turned out to be. The other one, we talk about this one a bunch, Tennessee Titans. They had Mike Malarkey, who had been winning games, and when you're nine and seven and nine and seven after you haven't been very good, basically that's like the Jags going nine and seven, nine and seven the next two years and firing their coach. Mm-hmm. They've kept their coaches when they've been three and thirteen. Mm-hmm. They said, No, we're going to get Mike Vrabel. Now it was a little bit deeper than that. It was they didn't think they were developing Mariota the right way, and, and Malarkey said some there was a little tiff between the front office and Malarkey, and so it got a little personal. But at the same time, they still weren't sold. Like, there was even conversation whether they should bring him back initially. Then they were going to bring him back, but they wouldn't give him a contract extension. So there was a little bit more there. The bold move, though, was saying, hey, we can do better. We yeah. can do better. And that's a hard thing to say when you're 9-7 and seven and 9-7 and seven after you haven't been very good for six straight years. So the Titans, in a bold move, got rid of Malarkey. Go get Vrabel, and now look what they've done. The record isn't unbelievable with Vrabel, to be honest with you. It's been winning records, yeah. but an AFC championship run, yeah. number one offense in the league. They've fixed Tannehill. They have Derrick Henry. Mm. There's a lot to like in no, Tennessee. without a doubt. Like, listen, when they let Mal- Malarkey go, it was definitely shocking. But I think that they went about it the right way and kind of – and I don't want to say they're cut from the same cloth, but there's a lot of characteristics, characteristics of Mike Malarkey that Vrabel has. I think they're both really passionate, old-school type of thinking guys. So when Mike Malarkey was let go, the players were still in that locker room that could adapt to Vrabel's system. Okay, so there it is. It's identity. It is uh, – who's the boss? Yeah. It is communication. It is quarterback. It is first-round hits. It's cultivate that talent and that culture and that building, and it's bold move. I think those are seven things. What am I missing? Man, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head, I feel like. Well, like you I said, couldn't be proud. I mean, there's going to well, be something I'm missing. You've been in an organization. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I was going to say this in terms of – what you broke down, like you should write, this should be a book and it should be like, you remember like the highly, uh, the, the seven effective habits of highly effective teens? <laughs> yeah. The seven effective habits of highly su- successful football teams, dude. You got it. Trademark that right now and start putting this on the market. Amazon, let's go. Yeah, we could but do it. What are you missing though? You know, I mean, to me, it always comes from identity, right? And more uh, specifically culture building, right? Like the tradition and things like that. Now that falls under identity, but to me, it's got to be the ability to adapt as well. Like I, I say this all the time, and it's adaptability, which I'm sure that kind of fell in another category. Yeah, and a lot of that is, right? Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of things that can fit in these subheaders. Exactly. But uh, I'm but saying ability to adapt. I, I would say uh, that's a good one, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that fits. Mm-hmm. Is that bold move? Is it right? A- ability to adapt it calls, is correct. It fits under every, yeah, everything. You know, and, and as I look at this, okay, and this is why I think it's relevant right now, and I wanted to get it out before the Jaguars make any more moves. They're, they have a GM job open. This is a refresh, we think. We think one more game for Doug Marone and then a head coach is coming in. Well, in my opinion, you want a head coach and a GM that together will check mark these boxes. Correct. Like, I think that has a chance. To, now, we might not know that happens for another two or three years. But if I'm Shad Khan, I'm saying these things are important. Like, we need to find that guy. And the one it begins with, with me, and, and I've told you this now for weeks, and I think there's a lot of trend on the national front, too. I'm not saying they took it from me. I'm just saying uh, we're on the same page here that I think it starts with the head coach. I, I tweeted it out again last week, and people were like, what do you mean? GM comes first. No, I don't think it does. Mm-hmm. I think the head coach, the Andy Reid, the Bill Belichick, the 
you name it. That's the figurehead in your organization. Mm -hmm. Let that guy go work with who he wants to work with. That guy needs to be your figurehead. And now, if you go get Urban Meyer, he's a definite figurehead. Mm -hmm. I think if you go get a coordinator, you have to ask yourself, can they be McDermott? Can they be the, they might not be as big as Belichick and Reed, but can they at least be McVay? Mm -hmm. Can they be uh, McDermott's another good example, I think. No, it is. Can they now be Stefanski, who it feels like he's running things? I can't name the GM. I don't know if that's a good, maybe even a Doug Peterson, mm -hmm. right? Who you're like, okay, I know that guy. That's got, it's his operation. Yeah. He's running it. So if you're going to go get Sala, if you're going to go get Arthur Smith, if you're going to get Brian Dable, who, by the way, has more championships and rings than anybody on the planet, um, if you're going to go get those kind of guys, can they be the set? What I call in here is the compass of the organization. Yeah. Listen, when we're talking about a thesis that I've been stating this entire NFL season, it's been the fact that I cannot stand analytics, right? Like, I think analytics are ruining the game of football. To me, if you go with the GM first over the head coach, that's the analytical way of doing things, right? Because because now you have a way to build the personnel. You have a way, all right, we're going to draft this guy. Here's what I want. If you go with the head coach, that's more of like the emotion. That's more of, to me, the game of football. Because now you're building the culture. You know what you're going to get in terms of the players you want to bring in. So I'm not saying one way is better than the other, but I'm just saying the GM is the analytical way. And to me, the head coach first that's the football way. Check that article out on ESPN690.com. You can also check it out at ActionNewsJacks.com as well. Jump in the conversation whenever you would like. Coming up next, if you are have kids that are in youth sports, got something for you. If you are curious about the quarterback position, got something for you. If you were a big fan of Tom Seaver and want a story about Tom Seaver, got something for you. Cool. My conversation with one man that will take care of all three topics when we come back on ESPN 690.